personally, I think the Danger Room needs more tentacle sessions. Welcome to episode one of the Mutant Musings Evolution Podcast for the beginning of January 2021. I'm Jonathan, and with me as always is a collection of jeans porn. Eddie! Remember to leave us a comment on this episode's webpage on geekade.com. Leave us ratings and reviews on iTunes or anywhere else you find our podcast. Follow us on Instagram at mutant underscore musings underscore podcast. And follow us on Twitter at... Mutant Musings. Yes, social media. Do you know about social media? It's a place where people can yell at each other for having different opinions. Hate Star Wars? Tell everyone about it. I hate Star Wars. Think stories about space are stupid? Interject your opinion into a discussion you weren't even involved with. Space stories are stupid and you're stupid for liking them. See someone posting something a little too happy? Take them down a notch. You're not allowed to like things, you bitch. Do you even know who George Lucas is? It doesn't even matter. George Lucas is a giant gaping asshole. And speaking of asshole, this podcast is a real gas, but we get real winded from using lots of bad language and innuendo. So if you're underage, cut the shit, not the cheese, Junior. This podcast is clearly for mature audiences and lying stinks. Are you an adult and ready for some adult humor? Then let her rip. There is your explicit content warning. Yay! We're actually going to be watching this series in order so it makes sense. Bullshit. And not Bullshit. just random episodes here and there, sporadically. So I have no idea what's going on. Uh, yeah, because there's no way to understand anything that's happening in any of this in any of this series unless you watch it in order. I don't know who that guy with the claws is. I have no idea who the man with the claws is. Without context. Seriously? Jonathan, do you think <laughs> there was a reason that I started reading X-Men from 1962 on? 19- Sorry, oh, 1963. Patty. <laughs> oh, Patty. <laughs> well, you have to start at number one for everything or else everything else doesn't make sense. That's why I started for number one for Spider-Man 2. Well, actually, I started with number 15 and then went to number one. How... Are you supposed to understand the 15th Amazing Fantasy if you don't understand? Well, because, the- see, those those ones don't continue the story. But I read Spider-Man for number Daddy. one, so I understand everything. Gwen is dead. I get that. Daddy, yes. Daddy there's, there's no way for you to know that none of what happened in Amazing Fantasy 15 was not set up in Amazing Fantasies 1 through 14. No, it is. I looked it up. You are an issue skipper. You skip issues. My friends told me that he wanted to do that with Doctor Who, but because the series was so old, like some of the original episodes from like, I don't know. The show's from like the fifties or some shit. I'm just guessing. Ooh. Don't yet. Don't at me about this. I don't care about Doctor Who. I don't know anything about Doctor Who. I'm American. Wow. Um, <laughs> Whoa. Jesus. No, I had some like a uh, real Anglophile friends, and so he wanted to watch all of them, but he said there were like missing episodes because it was from so long ago. What? Yeah. That, like, the only time they were aired was, like, the first time they aired. So, like, they're just... So you can't be, like, a completionist like that with Doctor Who. Only, like... And he said, like, you can start with the reboot when they first started it with, I don't know, the ninth Doctor? I don't know. The eighth Doctor? I don't remember. The the ugly one with the nose before... uh, The The ugly one one with the nose. The ugly one with the nose. (laughs) How many people in the world could you be talking about? Right now, the ugly um, one with the nose. The one before uh, David Tennant. I have no idea. So David's... in comparison to <laughs> David Tennant, pretty much everybody is ugly. Everyone is <laughs> ugly compared to David Tennant. I mean... David Tennant is beautiful. I mean, yes. <laughs> yeah. When he yeah. wasn't playing a villain. Patty, he was still sexy as hell when he was he playing was, a villain. He was very sexy. And, and he played one of the worst possible villains somebody could play, and he was still sexy most of the time. Typically, when he was talking his rapey talk, no, but you just put it on mute, and we're all good. <laughs> so, all right. All right, is that is that all we got? Is that how you're doing today? Yep. Yeah? Yep. All right, fine. Well, this is airing in a few months anyway. It's not going to be, you know, relevant. Spoilers! Don't! Jonathan! Don't... 
people don't need that peek behind the curtain, okay? We want to give that illusion. The beef curtain. What the fuck is a beef curtain? Is that what you call pubes? <laughs> oh my god. Is that not what it is? Because that's no. the first thing that comes to my mind. <laughs> what the what's the beef curtain? Are you looking it up right now? Is that yeah, why they're cause... silent? <laughs> <laughs> no, isn't it when uh you got like a big labia? Oh man. <laughs> Yeah, it's like the flaps. It's like a uh, mud flaps. <laughs> oh my god! Oh man, mud flaps. Wouldn't that wouldn't that be like a uh, big uh big anal glands? Mud I flaps? don't know, Jonathan. I don't create the terminology. <laughs> okay, I just reference it. All right. Anyway, yeah. All right. So we're gonna talk about cartoons. <laughs> <laughs> X-Men Evolution. <laughs> Fuck. All right. Uh yeah. So so yeah. So what's what's the best place to start? Number 15 according to Patty. Uh no. We're going to start with episode 1, Strategy X, uh which premiered November 4th, 2000, over 20 years ago. Shut God. up. 2000 was not 20 years ago. It was last year, right? Right. No, right. then that was 10 yeah. years ago. What are you talking about? <laughs> So the show opens with a sport game, and uh, and Jean's a photographer for for the school. We assume um, until she says that the picture she's taking is for her personal collection. It's a uh, for her bean flicking collection. <laughs> Jean flicks the bean. Jean the bean flicker. That's uh, yep. that's her nickname. That's going in the yearbook. <laughs> she, uh, yeah, this blonde uh, this blonde football guy. She's taking a picture. And uh, he's like, oh, is that for the, the yearbook or something? And she's like, no, it's for, for personal collection. I'm like, Jesus Christ, Gene, you're like, these are teenagers. These are teenagers. For those of you who have never watched X-Men Evolution or don't know anything about the show, the majority of the X-Men in the show are, are teenagers. They're like, they're all still in school. And, and it works out. It works out pretty well. Um, I very much enjoyed that, that sort of... Uh, uh remix of this instead of you know just starting with like the O five the way that they were like the actual comic book x-men as like teenagers and going from there they just took like a bunch of mutants and we're like yeah we're gonna take them and they're gonna be fucking teenagers but we're gonna take a, a few more and they're already gonna be adults and somehow however they decided this worked out pretty well in my opinion but but my favorite part about this opening was not jeans bean flicking it was who we're introduced to next are Toad and Scott. And Toad is obviously a juvenile delinquent because it's it's perfect. He's fucking, he's like under the bleachers and stealing wallets from like random people viewing the football game. And Scott sees that he's up to no good. But so do some of the football players. So Duncan, who was a love interest of Gene's in the comics a long time ago, takes a couple of his football buddies to go beat the shit out of Toad. And Scott stops him. Oh, he was so good. Like, as soon as he shows up, he's in the shadows. But, like, his his ruby shades are, like, glowing a little bit. And he's like, why don't you leave the kid alone? Three against one? I don't like that. And I was like, oh, he's so good. He's just so fucking good. Boy Scout. Yeah. But, yeah, I enjoyed that. So Toad manages to get away. Uh, and Duncan and Scott get into a little bit of a scuffle. And his shades get knocked off. And so optic blasts everywhere. Everything starts fucking exploding. A bald guy rolls up in a, a Rolls Royce. And uh, Gene, put, Gene comes and, and helps Scott and put his, puts his shades on. And uh, suddenly people can't remember what's what's happened. Duncan can't remember. He's got a concussion. The fucking like, um, ambulance is there. And uh, some cop is looking around. He sees a propane tank blew up. And he's like, oh yeah, leaky propane tank. That must have been what caused the explosion. So yeah, so so they're in, in uh they're in high school. They're in a town called Bayville. Uh, so Scott and Jean go there. Uh, Storm is is an adult. Obviously Xavier is an adult. Um, and they're going to pick up Kurt. And uh, and Kurt is all fucking like bundled up. So like he doesn't show like his his hands, his arms, his face, anything. He's like all really shrouded. He's a shy baby. He's so shy. He's a shy guy. <laughs> you know what that is? You've played Mario. I have played Mario. Yeah. Paper I just Mario. beat Paper Mario. Yeah, congratulations. I've played other Marios. Don't make me sound like a simp. 
simp is that is that a term that we are still using in the year of our lord 2021 patty it just came out (laughs) so we get this guy on a motorcycle wearing a cowboy hat badass yeah it's logan i i i have to admit i like logan in uh in a cowboy hat he was handsome he was handsome in this show not as handsome in X-Men the Animated Series, but he was pretty handsome, at least in this first episode. And I also like him with the cowboy hat. wearing a helmet when yes. he has a healing factor and a metal skull. There could be children watching this show, Patty. <laughs> and children need to know to wear their helmet. No, seriously. Uh, it, this was years ago when Hannah Montana was still on. And so I only know this because my sister was much younger at the time and watching that. But there was an episode where Hannah Montana and her dad were like in the car and it was like they were like supposed to be, you know, it's like driving. But like somebody or both of them or something didn't buckle their seatbelt and like parents everywhere were really angry because they need to promote seatbelt safety to the children watching. That's that's a thing. That's a thing that happens. That's lame. Remember when, when Wolverine used to smoke? <laughs> now he just smokes scott's penis um uh, all right anyway all right so so anyway yeah so we don't get like formally introduced to kurt yet like i said he was just like all covered up at the train station where where xavier and storm were picking him up but then we meet him at the same time that scott and gene do um xavier introduces the two of them to kurt you know he's got the hand comes out with just the three fingers and then he like takes off his cloak and he's all blue and you see that Scott's a little taken aback by it. Um, you know, but they think it's cool. And he shows them that he can teleport. And they think that that's, that's really neat. Oh, so there's a principal. She seems like a really angry lady. Uh, and she's got a job for Toad. She wants Toad to talk to Scott. Toad seems kind of like hesitant to do it. But all of a sudden, the principal morphs into some giant demon fucking thing that looks like the Shadow King. But it's not the Shadow King. Spoilers, it's not. Who is it? I don't know who it is. None of us know who it is yet. It's the um, principal. Actually, um... You literally just, um, actually me, Patty. <laughs> Live on air, you just, um, actually me. No, that's, that's <laughs> not what I meant. I was just thinking. <laughs> you have to do it with um, more, you have to do it with more Slim Jim in your breath and meat sweats yeah. when you say, um, actually. <laughs> I'm sorry, okay, go on. so... I was watching this and my mom was using the blender so I couldn't hear too well. And um, so I put the captions on so that I could read it when she was turning the blender on. And it it said Mystique colon and then what she was saying. Oh, that is Yeah, that's really lame. So I stopped looking at them in case they gave away anything else like that. Jeez, that's actually kind of funny. But, like, somebody watching this for the first time who has no idea. I don't know who wouldn't have an idea, though, really. But anyway. Well, there are kids who, you know, this was, like, their first exposure to X-Men. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So we cut back to the mansion, and Kurt's really happy. He's got this enormous room. He's like, this is all mine? And he's he's really happy. He's really cute. Kurt is so cute in this show. Like, already. He's just adorable and so likable. And then, you know, like, he realizes that, like, he still looks the way that he looks. So Xavier gives him... Uh, I don't think that they called it this in this episode, but it's it's referred to later as an image inducer. And Kurt's really happy when he gets it. He's like, you know, I can look normal. And like, like on one hand, it's really sweet that he he can look like that and that he's so happy about it. But on another hand, it's really sad. And like, obviously, this show didn't come up with the idea of an image inducer. This is something that we've seen in the comics, like many years before this ever happened. And I really do like Storm's line about how normal is what you truly are. This is so you're not persecuted for your gifts. And so, like, that's really important, but, like, it's it's really sad. Like, he he literally is happy and feels like he, he has to change his appearance, change who he is in order to go out and be around people uh, without being shunned or attacked or whatever. Again, like, this is... I'm just, you know, kind of restating the metaphor that we've said on this show that millions of people have said about the X-Men for decades. But it's like, this was a really interesting way to introduce it so early in the show, especially with this particular character, who is so cute and so endearing. And like, you you love him. Like, you have, you have to love him. And at the same time, it's as 
as happy as he is about this, it's also really sad. Yeah, it's sad that he needs to use it, but like, I don't know, I feel bad. He's just like a little puppy. He's a good boy. Yeah, and he's in high school, you know? Like, one of the worst times in a lot of people's lives, (laughs) he would be dealing with this all blue and furry and with the three fingers and toes and the tail, you know, but because of this thing, who hides who he truly is, he feels like he can go experience it like a quote-unquote normal person. But I think that that was a really a really good uh, way to introduce the metaphor of mutants so early in this show. You take a character like Nightcrawler, you make him this really adorable character immediately, um, even though he he looks so different. And then you bring out this thing, oh, he can fit into society, but hey, look, he's not who he really is. Um, so it was just a really interesting thing to introduce halfway into the very first episode of the show. Also, like, I, I know it probably wouldn't work for the show. I, uh, I forget what Beast was up to in the show. I think it would be a good idea to have somebody like Beast or somebody who doesn't have, like, a humanoid uh, appearance to kind of, like, not only like, counsel these kids, but kind of, like... Oh, like a role model type of Yeah, yeah, type like an adult. Yeah, yeah. To be honest with you, I don't remember when Beast comes into this show. I don't feel like it's that far in that he does, but but he is going to show up at some point. But that, yeah, that's that's a really interesting thought and idea to have somebody like that kind of like, you know, um, as a mentor to some of the kids who who have physical mutations. And it's not just like Gene who Xavier at some point in these first couple of episodes literally calls like the model student. Yeah, um, who looks beautiful and, and can walk around and can quote unquote pass. You know what I mean? So, so yeah, I get you. So anyway, so the principal want, wanted Toad to talk to Scott, right? So Toad bothers Scott in the hallway um, about how you know they're different from everyone else. And I thought this was this was neat. Toad took off his ruby quartz glasses, and Scott covers his eyes, but Scott covers his eyes with both his arms in the shape of an X. Oh, did he? I didn't even notice that. He did. I did notice. I, I noticed that. And a uh, funny note about, about Toad, his name is not Mortimer Toynbee, um, which is quite the name, by the way. No, he's got a more appropriate name. His name is Todd Talansky, because it's close to sounding like Toad. Todd Talansky. <laughs> like, seriously. He's Polish. What? <laughs> he's Polish? Yeah, he's okay. Polish. He's Polish? Kurva. <laughs> what? What did you just call me? You don't know that word? That's like the only Polish word anybody knows. I feel like I've heard it before. What is it? Bitch. Oh. Why Why did you just call me a bitch? That's messed up. Because it's the only thing I know how to say in Polish. <laughs> uh-huh. So yeah, so Scott calls Xavier and is like, listen, this guy, this guy Todd Talansky is bothering me, but I think he's a mutant. Should I bring him in? And so Xavier is like, okay, a, a storm. I want you to audition someone. So I thought this was great because Toad hops the fence and he's hopping towards the mansion, and Storm is fucking like shooting lightning bolts down at him. And I'm like, oh my god, is Storm really gonna really gonna strike a Toad with lightning? Oh my god. Um, the first X Men movie came out only a few months before this show started airing, which is nuts to me, and it is hilarious that. That infamous line, you know, what happens to a toad when it gets struck by lightning. And, like, they sort of, like, recreated it right here in X-Men Evolution. It was hilarious. Uh, But Toad jumps in through a window, lands on Nightcrawler. The two of them are having this stupid little fight. It's kind of funny. They're, like, teasing each other and jumping after each other. But then they land in the danger room accidentally. And, of course, you know... The danger room starts, it's got its own defense system, so it starts going after the two of them. So Scott and Gene run in to help. And Scott was like, Scott said to Gene, uh, keep them clear of the tentacles. Keep them clear of the tentacles. So Xavier has got a tentacle program. Yeah, he does. In the danger room. So revealing a little bit of Xavier's kink. Uh, <laughs> I thought... I was like, keep them clear of the tentacles. Really? Are we really? These are teenagers. Keep all the tentacles away from the teenagers. They're too young for this. 
Yeah, but anyway, so Toad runs off, and, and it's funny because he runs right into Logan. So Logan's come back because he saw that there was trouble at the high school on uh, in the newspaper. So he's come back. Toad ran away, and the principal yells at Toad, and of course, and and, and the principal even says it like, oh, "Of course, Xavier wiped your mind, so you can't remember anything." And Toad is basically like, "Yeah." But all of a sudden, she changes, and it's a blue lady. And then there's a scary, <gasps> echoey voice, and metal is moving. What could that be? I don't know. What is it? What are they trying to hint at? What are they getting at here? Cool. I don't understand. Where, what, when, and why? It's just, it's it's all over my head. I don't, I really don't understand. <sighs> I really liked the the first episode. I, I mostly liked how um, they introduced Kurt and what Kurt kind of brought to this dynamic because... Again, I mean, the first two that were were introduced to are are um, of the X Men anyway are are Scott and Jean, and Scott's pretty much normal, but he's got to wear the ruby shades. Otherwise, he's a fucking handsome, nicely built guy. And Jean, again, you know, beautiful redhead, looks like a model. And okay, so you've got Toad, who's a mutant too, and he's a little gross, but other than him hopping around, you know, he could just pass for some scummy dude. Um, but now we've got you know Kurt, who who is literally blue with the tail and. And I thought it was really smart of them, uh, the writers of the show, to introduce him in the first episode and kind of introduce the idea of, of quote-unquote, being normal and what a physical mutation can do to somebody. And, you know, there was a sweet moment at the end between him and Scott because, you know, Kurt's really sad about helping to trash the danger room and the mansion, and Scott convinces him to stay. And you can already see, like, this blossoming little friendship between the two. And I really like that, how, you know, like, the two of them are different, and they're finding this bond. You know, Kurt's free to be himself inside the mansion. When he showed up on the train, he was completely covered. Um, so yeah, so it was, a, it was you know, kind of a silly episode. But at the same time, it was, it was a good setup to the show. I agree. I thought this was really cute. I really liked Nightcrawler in this episode. And I was like, obviously, I know he joined the team. And I was like, oh, no, don't run away. Come back. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> but um i'm happy that he's happy i thought you know the it was a good introduction to kind of like who everybody was on the team and you know uh already the introduction to mystique and magneto even though yeah. we don't know much about magneto yet i mean you know if you're new to x-men um <laughs> Well, and I guess kind of his role in this show, too, since, like, everybody is a different character anyway, basically. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it's interesting. It's really interesting to see Mystique as, like, the principal. It's like, all right, what's the game here? But, you know, you can tell when she's talking to Toad that she's got some fucking interest in, you know, like, a, a young mutant for her own purposes. Oh, she's like the Emma. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's actually, yeah. That's a, that's a good analogy. Wow, I am so shocked that you agreed with me. What? Why? That was a good point. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, that's that's a good point. Because it's like it's like when Emma and Xavier showed up at Kitty's house the same fucking day. You know? It's like a similar thing here. Mystique and Xavier, you know, both encounter Toad on the same day. And in each case, they had, like, their own plans. You know, Emma wanted Kitty for the Hellfire Club, and Mystique wanted uh, Toad, and more information about what's going on in Xavier's anyway, for, you know, Magneto. And again, we don't really know what their roles are here. We know that there's obviously has to be some sort of a plan, and it, it has to do with Mystique posing as a principal, which makes sense. If we're going to have a whole bunch of cast members who are high school students then, you know, have a villain pose as the principal so that they can keep close tabs on them. But also she goes by Darkholm. So if you think about it, she got this principal position with her own merit and didn't just kidnap a principal and take her place. Yeah, that's true. That's very <laughs> true. So before the show started... I wonder what her credentials are. She went to school. She went to school. She got her fucking teaching license. <laughs> she was an assistant for a while. She put in her hours. <laughs> she worked her way up. She got herself tenure. She put in her time. And she became principal. She fucking <laughs> fist right through that glass ceiling. That's Raven, Dark <laughs> That's Raven Darkholm. 
Yeah. So, do you wonder what would have happened to a toad if he was struck by lightning? Who the fuck do you think that blue lady is? And who the fuck is that guy moving metal? If you're going to look at some photos in your personal collection, folks, make it quick because we'll be right back after the commercial break. Cut. Take 10, everyone. God, they didn't tell me we were doing this during a Wolverine channel shoot. Hey, Emma. Right on time. Hang on. Gotta get these thistles out of my ass. Nature is brutal sometimes. You were just jumping into thorn bushes naked. What did you think would happen, you? Ugh. Let's just talk about Geekade.com, shall we? Hey, bubs. When I'm not on the Wolverine channel jumping ass first into stabby shrubbery, you can find me on Geekade.com. Geekade.com? Is that a geeky website for all geeks, darling? It sure is, Emma. Geekade.com is a website with podcasts and articles about anime, comic books, video games, Transformers, wrestling, and so much more. A visit to Geekade.com is so much fun, I'm not even thinking about the prickles in my pickle. (sighs) Well, I'll never eat a pickle again. And it looks like Geekade.com even has YouTube and Twitch channels. Geekade.com really does have something for every geek, darling. It sure does, Emma. Check out Geekade.com today. Can you go five minutes without referencing your genitalia, you horny little gremlin? Put some pants on. (laughs) Alright, so episode two, The X Impulse, continuing with introduction to characters. We get a brown-haired girl with a ponytail who's dreaming she's flying, but suddenly she's falling, and she lands in her basement. Gasp. Who could that be? Gasp. It's Kitty. Kitty? She's a cat. Meow. <laughs> yeah. So so this is this is Kitty Pride. She is 15. She just fell through the fucking floor into her basement. And uh, some of her sheets and shit are stuck in between uh, the, the ceiling. And yeah, so she's freaking the fuck out. And her parents find her. And they're worried. And they want her to stay home from school. But she actually wants to go to school. Patty, a 15-year-old girl actually wants to go to school. Jonathan, that is not realistic. I did not ever want to go to school. I did not ever want to go to school either. Jesus. Jesus fucking Christ. God. Um, so you know something's wrong and, like, with her. And, like, she wasn't even popular. Like, she was like, I hate school. Everybody is mean. They're cheerleaders, and I'm not one of them. And they pick on me. And I'm like, bitch, why are you so eager to go then? Like, your parents said you could stay home. Yeah, seriously. No, and I, I agree with that. Absolutely. I mean, I yeah. I don't know. I mean, a part of me wants to like like rationalize it. Like, oh, she was just so freaked out and like embarrassed to be around her parents. So she wanted to go to school. But yeah, I mean, as soon as she gets to school, she's being picked on by these two bitches. The two bitches pick on her. But, you know, Xavier detected her with Cerebro and he brings only Jean along. You're the one who could connect with her. You're the model of our institute. It's like, uh, Kitty even said that later, like, oh, well, I bet you're friends with those girls because look at you. And I'm like, well, you know, I mean, obviously she's young, so she's going to be shitty and immature, but like, you don't even know who this girl is. Maybe she, you know, shoves cheerleaders into garbage cans as a hobby. (laughs) You don't know her. Don't judge her based on her appearance. (laughs) Who, Jean? Yeah. But Jean she's doesn't like I know, but like you know, Kitty was just like, Oh, well I bet you never have any problems because you're perfect. Yeah. Jean okay, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I I get what you're saying. I, I do get what you're saying, but but nonetheless, it's Jean. She is quote unquote perfect, Patty. So yeah. True. <laughs> but well, because, you know, they're both girls. They're both hormonal. So Xavier's wow. like, okay, well, I need to take a hormonal teenage girl. Wow. She's the only one who can relate to you because you're both bleeding. Wow, Patty, I cannot believe all of those words just came out of your mouth in that order. That's fucking crazy. <laughs> That's just what I assume that Xavier, you know, sexist mind was thinking. You want to bet a, you want to bet that a man wrote this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, but either way, 
like the plan is is to go try to talk to to Kitty's parents and to Kitty, and both Xavier and Jean just spectacularly fail at this. And and that's not the only point of conflict in this episode, but just immediately there's an epic fail when Xavier and Jean are talking to Kitty's parents, and Xavier reveals that he knows what happened last night. Yeah, that was a stupid decision. Yeah, and I mean, like, okay, like, I get it. For storytelling purposes, it's a cartoon. You got 20 minutes to tell your story. We're not going to spend so much time on Xavier, like, beating around the bush about, like, what mutants are or whatever. And we need Kitty's parents to slam the door in Xavier's face here. I I get it. But still, like, watching it, it was ridiculous. For Xavier to just reveal he knew what happened last night. Because literally, Kitty's parents go back in the door. I know what happened last summer. Yep, yep. Oh, wait, no, it's, I know what you did last time. Whatever. Yeah. Well, now the joke's better. <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> I never saw it, so whatever, I have an excuse. So you don't know what they did last summer, I Patty? Boom! I do not, in fact, know what they did last summer. Oh, God, we have to watch those movies, Patty. Holy okay. shit. We have to watch those movies. I'm so excited now. That's what we're going to do. All right, anyway. So Xavier asks Jean to go contact Kitty directly at school. And in the meantime, uh, there's a backup story in episode two. Two stories in episode two. Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> we get the giant chicken story. <laughs> Listen, I can't believe that I ever used to watch Family Guy, but I did. But one thing that is still funny to me about Family Guy were the chicken fights. <laughs> really, really hilarious. There's another dude with a bike. I think I think what he was actually writing was a chopper. I think there's a difference. Um, no, they're, who, no, they're the same. I think I think that's wrong because I think the ones who ride the choppers because the choppers stick out more in the front. I think those are the men with smaller penises. So it's a uh, it, it's funny. Logan like smells somebody coming, and then all of a sudden Logan is standing on the roof of the mansion watching the bike, and I just thought that was funny. So yeah, so Logan Logan goes after the dude on the chopper, and Scott and Kurt see it, and they jump in Scott's convertible, and they follow. So there's the beginning of our backup story. So Kitty gets trapped in her locker by bitches at school. Bitches at school are awful, and they trap Kitty in her locker. She's pounding on the inside, yelling for help. Some hooligan comes out, out of the boys' bathroom when everyone's in class. He's fucking spray-painting all the lockers, and Kitty falls out of the locker onto him. And it's funny because he's got spray paint on his face. Like for the rest of the scene, it was cute. <laughs> he's like, hey, did you see what you just did? Oh, you're just like me. And Kitty's like, what are you talking about? And then he does the thing. He does the thing where his eyes roll back a little bit and you get that bendy note. You get that bendy note. That's the signature fucking thing in this show is the bendy note. I don't know why I love that. Maybe because I love the character for most of my life so much already. I'm like, they gave him something that is uniquely him. So yeah, it makes me excited. He causes an earthquake. Also, he's really cute. Yes, I he had is. such the crush on him. Yes, he's a he handsome was a man. Bad boy. <laughs> <laughs> what you gonna do, Patty? What you gonna do if Lance comes for you? <laughs> and then one of the best lines. One of the best lines. It's gonna take a lot. It's going to take a lot for this show to top this. Kitty runs away from him. And he goes, you can run, but you can't hide. Because I'm going to rock your world. Patty. That was so creepy. That deserves a slow clap. No, but okay, I know it's creepy. I agree it's creepy. But but he said, I'm going to rock your world. He's Avalanche, and he's going to rock her world? I get it. No, honestly, yeah, yeah, it's a cre- it's a creepy lie. You can run, but you can't hide. Yeah, that that is creepy, and he's like super shitty in in this episode, which you know, obviously, it's the first episode that he appeared in. Like, I get for purposes of the conflict of this episode, they needed this contrast of like Xavier and Jean are real good. Like, we we are rooting for Kitty to go with them, and over here. We don't have a charming bad boy. We have, you know, bad boy who's like scumbag abusive, sort of. So like they needed that. But at the same time, 
he he did a few things in this episode that are like what again like the writers were men but anyway so so this dude's name is alvers he and his buddies want to break into this office to steal the midterm so they can cheat and they can't get in but lance has an idea he tries to impress kitty he knows that she can phase through things and so like to put two and two together he wants to impress her so he can get her to face into the office and steal these things. Unfortunately, it backfires. She runs into Jean, and Jean tracks her down. And Jean starts talking to her in this sort of, like, infomercial type of way about her wonderful new gift <laughs> that teenage girls get, Aunt Flo. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I, I know. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's exactly what I was thinking, too, when I was watching this. I was like, is this, like, that video that they show us from, like, the 70s about, like, no, you have your period. <laughs> so, yeah, so so Gene, you know, again, Gene didn't do the best job here either. But then Lance comes in and starts to give Gene some shit and pushes her. I was like, are you serious? He's a real phys- He's real physical. And it's, like, really not okay. But, and you can, you can see like the real, like abusive con artist in him when he tries to play sympathetic and understanding, he manages to convince Kitty to like meet him after school. And he's like, you know, you're alone. You think no one understands you. You think something's wrong with you. Your parents like don't understand, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, he's literally, you know, playing this like fucking, um, predator. It's like fucking predator behavior. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's really gross. And, like, Xavier's on the phone with Gene and, like, doesn't want Gene to lose Kitty. And he makes this comment about how some obstacles are easier to overcome than others. He's coming out of this building and there are stairs and no ramp. As he says, some obstacles are easier to overcome than others. Like, are you fucking kidding? Okay, I must not have noticed that. The things that were acceptable in the year 2000. Like, I just, I can't. (laughs) I can't. God. So, chicken fight, Logan and Sabretooth face off. I thought this was funny. Sabretooth just goes to drive right into Logan. Logan steps out of the way, literally just steps out of the way and slashes the front of the chopper. And Victor goes over the building and smashes into uh, Scott's convertible. Rip. Yeah. It doesn't really matter. It it was quick. Uh, I think Victor was choking Logan and then Scott and Kurt came to help. Victor got away. Logan didn't really appreciate the help. But yeah, again, it was there was no context to that at all. We have no idea who Sabretooth is. He <laughs> dropped he dropped like a line, I think, alluding to some sort of past between them. Yeah, that's that's what you get if you even <laughs> read all of their appearances in comics together. It makes no sense. They're just like, we have to fight one another because we do. So <laughs> it's literally like the giant chicken from Family Guy. Yeah. But they needed to introduce this at some point in the show. And for people watching who have no idea, they're probably like, what just happened? I need to know more about that. And the rest of us are just like, whatever. Um, (laughs) So, yeah. So we get Lance convinces Kitty to go into the office. And and Kitty lets him in. And she's like all happy and proud of herself. And then Kitty realizes that this, this was only about Lance trying to get the test answers to cheat. And she's really upset. And Jean brings Kitty's parents to the office. And Lance is like, they're going to turn you against me. And he really likes grabbing Kitty by the wrist. And it happens a few times just in this one episode. And it's really fucking gross. Like, I admit, he is a handsome, he, he is a handsome boy. And he is a bad boy. And I love Avalanche. And I even love this version of Avalanche, who looks more like Richter. Still with Avalanche's powers. I love the stupid pun of his name. It's amazing. For those of you who don't know, have never heard me say it before, or just didn't know on your own, his name is Lance Alvers. Alvers, comma, Lance. Alvers Lance. Avalanche. That's the fucking joke. Everything about him is amazing. But he started off super fucking disgusting in this show in a way that was just unacceptable and unnecessary. Uh, he tries to drag Kitty away with her, away from Jean and Kitty's parents. And she phases out of his grip. And then he causes the whole fucking ceiling and eventually the whole building to collapse. And Jean is just barely holding it up with her telekinesis. Uh, but Kitty's okay. Everyone gets out of there. And she decides to go with the X-Men. 
and Kitty's parents are on board, and so every everybody's happy. And at the very end, Lance is just looking at the rubble uh, that he created, and the Bayville principal shows up and invites him to the school. I have so much to teach you, my young avalanche. So, yeah, we're just going to get everybody under one roof in this one school. Let's get all the mutants in Bayville High School. Yay! Nobody will notice. Nobody will notice. Get all the mutants under one roof. Well, I mean, I guess, yeah, it's more conspicuous than um, the Xavier Institute being, like, a boarding house. Yeah. Because if it was a school, they wouldn't have this interaction with, like, regular people. And it wouldn't be conspicuous because it's not like they would have, like, mixers or, like you know, football games against other schools or anything. They're, like, mixed in with regular kids. They're going to figure something out. Yeah, no, that's that's true. That they're not just, you know, kept away from society. They can actually go out and and meet other people and have these experiences and not be, like, secluded. I mean, because it would be like being homeschooled, you know, which is sort of how it was in the comics for a little bit. Until Jean went away to college, and then some of them got jobs. But obviously, this is going to be this is going to be a, a huge cause for conflict because you're going to put all these mutants under one roof, and not every obviously we see already not every everyone is is nice. Like you know, like we get that Scott and Jean are great. You know, Kurt is cute. Kitty is now joining, but then we also see Toad, who is you know a little rough around the edges, and Lance, who's a scumbag. So, so there's, there's more cause for conflict. Oh, but I really like this. Um, I really like this episode. Um, you know, I mean, it was really just, you know, kind of like puberty hitting this 15 year old girl and how does she deal with it? Well, she goes off to puberty school with the puberty group, (laughs) how she deals with her changing body. But it was, I thought it was like a really smart way to introduce these two characters. One who's obviously going to you know, join the X-Men and one who is very much not going to join the X-Men. So it was good. But, you know, Kitty with the whole Valley Girl thing, I, I don't know. It's still sort of weird to hear. I mean, I'm, I, I've am i watched this whole show before. It's It's been many years. So, like, I, I know what I'm getting into. But still, like, when I read her in the comics, this is not the voice that I hear. You know, there are some voices from, like, movies and cartoons or whatever that when I read the comics, like, I hear those voices when I'm reading. Like, X-Men, the animated series, Apocalypse, that's sort of what I hear when I read Apocalypse in the comic books. Uh, This is not the kitty voice, you know? You know what I mean? That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it gets annoying after a while. When I was a kid, I really liked it because that's how I talked. (laughs) I'm not... Even lying, my uncle always said I was a valley girl, and I said I had no idea what that meant. Yeah, because you're not from the valley. He's like, you you should move to California. And I was like, okay, you send me there and pay for it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the sass on you. Exactly something a valley girl would say. (laughs) Um, Yeah, but it works for the show. Uh, All right, so episode three is Rogue Recruit. Who do you think we're going to meet in this episode, Patty? Somebody named Recruit. Am I right? That should be her code name. How many <laughs> points do I get? Oh, jeez. Uh, that that really should be. It's funny, you know. I mean, Xavier in this episode referred to her as a rogue or the rogue a couple of times. Like that's just way too on the nose. Yeah. No, I don't. I didn't like it. It sounded weird. I I kind of wish she went by a recruit now. <laughs> She's so goth. Oh Jesus. my god, I love it. I loved her so much when I was a kid. I wanted to be her. She she is such a hot topic goth. And and hey, listen, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying. It was really, really such an interesting look for her. Uh, that was such a I departure. I loved it. It works for the character, too. For somebody who, you know is sad you know if you're gonna have her as a teenager sad that she can't touch anyone you know i mean like honestly i'm not even making a joke that's that's the way to go i mean you know you look at like anna paquin uh from the movie and it's sort of like a similar sentiment but anna paquin you know the her 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 look in the movie was not like this 
I think it worked for the show. Like, I'm not even making fun of it. You know, it's sort of like a cliche, hot topic, goth sort of thing or whatever, but... No, I, I absolutely love her outfit. Yeah, and the hair. The hair, yeah, too, with the white in the front coming off, parted. No, it was a great look. I, I give them props for the redesign. I really like it. I really do. And yeah, so we're introduced to her at some sort of a, a dance. Uh, and uh, we get a couple of football-looking dudes with their jerseys. And, um, you know, Cody wants to dance. And she sort of turns him down. And he looks sad. She's like, oh, where's the harm in one dance? And you get somebody sitting at home with the walking stick and the shades. Who could that be? Hmm. <laughs> no, don't touch him. Um, a very young destiny. Yes. But Rogue is about to meet her destiny. Oh. Uh, God, the animation of them da- of them all dancing, those moves. Did you see those moves? Yes. I can dance better than that. And that is pathetic. <sighs> that is pathetic because I cannot dance for my life. It was very funny. It was very funny and cute and silly the way that they were all dancing. But yeah, so like one of Cody's buddies pushes Cody right into Rogue and whoop, there's a skin contact and he passes out and she's just yelling, what am I? Who am I? And everybody's yelling, what, what'd you do to him? And somebody tries to block the exit, this football player, and Rogue pushes past him. She like football tackles him. Yeah. I thought only Cody had moves like that. So, so the lady's obviously Destiny and Destiny's on the phone with someone and... Destiny knew that this was going to happen to Rogue eventually. And so we cut to the mansion and this was cute. And Ninja is trying to break in. We know it's, we know we can, you can tell it's Logan just by the angry furrowed brows. Um, And so he's trying, it looks like he's trying to sneak around in the mansion and Storm is going after him. She's basically just kicking his ass and gets him in the danger room uh, and like knocks him back with some lightning and then freezes him. And he's pissed off and it's funny. And... So they're talking about why this is happening. It's about finding weak points in the security systems. I don't know. I thought that was that was kind of a neat little thing that they did. But Xavier uh, assembles the team because they, he's registered a mutant in Mississippi. And on the plane ride there, Scott is sort of showing Kurt how to pilot the Blackbird. And, and it's cute because Kitty's looking at Scott and is like, he seems so together and cute. And Jean looks a little confused, and she's like, stiff, exacting, maybe, cute. Uh, I, just, I thought that was hilarious. I thought it was kind of weird that, like, well, I don't know, I guess, um, you know, being, like, such a fan, it that is weird that, like, Jean didn't start off the show, like, liking Scott at all or really acknowledging him. And then they introduced Duncan, and I was like, oh, okay, they're going to have a love triangle on this show, too, like right from yeah. episode one. Yeah. Um, I guess they will, but not from episode one. <laughs> yeah, I am fine with it the way that it is with the, the Scott, Gene, Duncan thing. I, I'm kind of glad that they that they decided to keep Logan and make him, you know, the age that he is, you know, and these... Like and and these two teenagers, so there wouldn't be that love triangle because it's it's done to death. It's literally been around since the 1970s. So I'm happy that in the year 2000 they decided they were going to go a different route with this. So yeah, so so the principal touches down in Mississippi and meets with Destiny. And Mystique talks about how they've kept her hidden for like five years, and in five minutes it all falls apart. We can't lose her to Xavier. In the meantime, Rogue is sort of freaking out. Sort of? Yeah. She's losing her fucking shit. (laughs) Yeah, she goes to what we figure is Cody's house, knows where the key to get in is hidden, is looking at stuff in his room, and and yeah, and she freaks out. And then all of a sudden, Mystique uh, shapeshifts into Logan and attacks. So like, this is the plan. Mystique is going to make Rogue afraid of the X-Men, so it's going to be easier to lure her in. So Mystique, as Logan, says something about how the X-Men are mutant hunters or something like that. And he lets out what I think was supposed <laughs> to sound like a wolf howl, but it kind of sounded more like a pig squeal. <laughs> Wolverine. <laughs> Wolverine, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't even want to try to recreate it. I'm going to hurt myself. 
but it really did sound like a pig squeal. Uh, that's the best way I can I can describe it. I don't know what it sounded like, but I laughed a lot. Yeah, you did. You did, and that's okay. It's it's funny. It's it was completely out of place. So yeah. So then the real Logan shows up with Kurt and Kitty, and Kurt realizes that Rogue is scared of Logan. So he says, "Logan, you know, go away. Let me handle this." And so Kurt tries to confront Rogue alone and like talk some sense into her. Um, but then Kitty screws it up and like surprises Rogue and Rogue touches Kurt and she teleports away and she teleports right into a cemetery and is surprised that she can speak German. <laughs> and it's, and, and first of all, it was really cute when she realized that she could speak German, but it was also funny because, you know, it's a goth Rogue teleporting right into a cemetery. And as we all know, cemeteries are where goth girls go to replenish their sad power. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I felt kind of bad because, you know, Kurt Kurt's trying to explain to Rogue. I mean, and he's the perfect one to do this because, you know, of how he looks. But it's also sad because he uses the image inducer and looks like the quote-unquote normal Kurt with, like, the Caucasian skin. But he's, like, explaining to her, like, I was like you once, alone, afraid, unsure of who I was. And I'm like, this sounds like another infomercial. This is the face of genital herpes. <laughs> and I felt kind of bad because like you want Kurt to get through to Rogue and and it kind of stinks that he he wanted to use the image inducer for it but I get it and it's also like okay the two of you are sort of related though not blood related and you want this con- you want to see this connection happen early on and it sort of doesn't happen. No, that was good because I thought the same thing. I was like, oh, no, you're your brother and sister, but you just don't know it yet. Yeah. And, you know, Mystique, that bitch, is like literally driving a wedge between them. So Jean finds Rogue and, you know, tries to calmly talk to her, even gives her a communicator, which looked nothing like a cell phone. I don't know what it looked like. I was trying to think of what that oh, thing could possibly look like. Oh, you know what it looks like? It looks like, um... I don't know what they're called, but it's the thing that you use to measure your tire pressure. Oh, shit. You're right. Yeah. Maybe a, a pressure gauge or yeah, something? Yeah, I was going to say tire pressure gauge, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. You are right. I agree. Uh, good call. Because I couldn't, I couldn't think, and, and yeah, that's that's good. But yeah, so Jean is calmly talking to Rogue, gives her the communicator, and then all of a sudden Storm shows up. Um, and Rogue is afraid of Storm. Earlier, Mystique was posing as Storm and threw something that caused, you know, this electrical flare, looked like a lightning bolt. And so, and so Rogue sees Storm and like yells and runs away. So yeah, but then Jean appears in front of Rogue again and is like yelling at her and then appears as Scott and is like, the X-Men don't leave loose ends. Yeah, Rogue runs outside and sees the real Scott and knocks into him. And he accidentally optic blasts a power line. And Jesus fucking Christ, all the trouble that Mystique is causing, it's just, like, so easy to hate her immediately. Uh, like, really fucking hate this bitch. Uh, Rogue accidentally touches Storm, and then, you know, she's, like, creating a fucking tornado. Everything's going out of control. Xavier realizes that, it says that Rogue is gone and her mind is, like, a jumble. She's, like, absorbing everyone's uh, personalities and memories and obviously their powers. Thankfully, the X-Men managed to save each other so nobody gets hurt. What I thought was cute at the end of this episode, though, is, like, you saw earlier how Kitty was sort of put off by Kurt and his appearance, and he was, like, trying to impress her at one point, and she was just, like, grossed out by him. Um, But after Rogue, you know, like, knocked him unconscious, she was happy that he was okay, and she even called him a fuzzy elf. And I thought that that was really cute. But yeah, then all of a sudden Rogue shows up at at Bayville. So yet another one we're adding to the list of mutants uh, in Bayville High School. Yay! And the paperclips are moving. Watch out. Watch Uh out for the paperclips. We're in trouble. Yeah, shadowy, shadowy Magneto, still back in the shadows, not really revealing himself. Got this really low, booming, echoey voice talking to Mystique. Sexy. Yeah, trying to recruit more for their for their side. But Rogue kept the communicator, so we know there's still a chance that she may turn to good. So, I mean, this episode was was I mean, I like this as a setup for Rogue, you know, in just in just one episode as opposed to like a bunch of issues 
in the comics where she was just like, you know, evil and part of the brotherhood. And then there was, you know, the whole thing with Miss Marvel. I thought that this was a really effective way to set things up for her, even though her, her history is, you know, is sort of a mystery. Obviously, Destiny and Mystique had a hand in her upbringing, at least for five years, like they said, kept her hidden for five years. Talked to, Destiny mentioned skin condition um, to kind of avoid this was happening. So, you know, there were there were some really good allusions to her history there. And also that sense of isolation. Like if there was this skin condition, the way she dressed made sense. You know, this sort of, I'm not saying that she was necessarily antisocial or that you are antisocial if you dress like like a goth person does or whatever. But it, it sort of made sense that that was part of her her whole motif. Keeping to herself at the dance, you know, it, it makes sense. And then, you know, Mystique just made things worse just by being herself and being fucking awful. Obviously, she's very skilled at what she does. Uh, and she can shift into all the X-Men really quickly. And she did so very effectively to scare Rogue from immediately running into, um, you know, Xavier's arms. Uh, so I thought it was a pretty good setup, even though some of it was corny. Some of it was very silly. You know, like Rogue just constantly yelling and running away. Uh, the dialogue about the X-Men don't leave loose ends in Scott's voice. I'm like, okay, that's some real good convincing. Logan's pig squeal, you know, some of it was very silly. But otherwise, I like this, and I, I thought this was a good setup for Rogue. Yeah, but also uh, putting her into Bayville, which is, you know, a school that is, as we've mentioned, filled with X-Men. Um, she is going to get to know these people and realize that they're not the ones who were chasing her. So I don't know what Mystique's plan is there. Like why she didn't bring her to another high school or something. That's, that's very true because I mean, if you look at the kind of like the kind of teenagers that Toad and Avalanche are, versus the kind of person that Rogue is, you can see these generally, like, very deviant behaviors in Toad and Avalanche. So yeah. it's it's easy for Mystique to sort of push them in this one direction. It's not even like a push. It's just a little nudge, you know? I mean, you have Toad who's, like, mugging. No, not mugging. Yeah, Toad exactly. stealing from people. Avalanche, pickpocketing. Yeah, pickpocketing. Avalanche who's willing to cheat on tests, demolish a building, grab a girl by the wrist versus Rogue, who we don't know too much about her personally. Like, really, we don't. We got very little sense of her personality other than just confusion by the people that she was meeting. She doesn't strike you as inherently bad. You know, this dude wanted to dance with her and you can sort of see her sympathy. Like, oh, what's what's one dance going to do? So... She's not, you don't get like deviant behavior from her. So Mystique putting her around people like in a school with Scott and Jean and Kurt and Kitty. Yeah, it's going to be easier for her to be swayed to Xavier's than it is going to be towards the Brotherhood, which is what Mystique is is trying to put together. So, you know, I kind of like forgot how the setup of this was just like, let's pack this one school full of mutants. (laughs) (laughs) Really? And then we'll just let them battle it out. It, it, it is very silly. Looking at, like, I, I, I don't think it's bad, you know? Like, I like the characters. I like kind of how it's going so far. I mean, we, we have to be introduced to them. You know, X-Men the Animated Series was a little different. It was kind of like, all right, we take this seat alongside Jubilee and meet all of these established characters. Whereas here, we're getting introduced to a lot of brand new characters and getting a sense of who they are from the ground up. And I think that that's, that's kind of neat. I kind of like that a little bit better. Yeah. I think that's really cool. And, um, this, these are the episodes that I vaguely remember. So I am on my way to remembering. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, we still have, um, we still have more kids to meet. Yeah. I mean, we haven't met Spike yet. We haven't met Blob yet. We haven't met, uh, Wanda or Pietro yet. And, um, you know, there's going to be more. Like, we know that, you know, the new mutants are going to show up. Yeah, there's there's going to be a lot more characters that we're going to meet throughout this series. 
So that'll do it for this episode of Mutant Musings Evolution. Thanks for joining us, and remember to leave us a comment on geekade.com. Leave us ratings and reviews on iTunes or anywhere else you find our podcast. Follow us on Instagram at mutant underscore musings underscore podcast and on Twitter at mutant musings. Join us again in two weeks, and until then... Goth Rogue was right.